The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What is up, Life House? Man, I tell you what, it's good to be here. It's good to have this opportunity and this privilege to bring the last message in this This Is Fine series. And you might be thinking to yourself, the youth pastor has the microphone. This isn't fine. <laughs> it's not okay. This isn't fine. If you're watching online, I'm sorry. Go ahead and just tune off right now. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, stick with me. Stick with me here. I feel like God's laid a, a, a message on my heart, and that's God, not me. Because, again, it's, it's God not me if I can say that. And so I'm excited. If we could, I like to do this though. I like to dive right into the word. I like to. I like to just give away all the spoilers. And so here's what we're going to do. If you have your Bible with you, or if you have this thing, which is your phone and the Bible app, if you're watching online or other campuses, get your Bible right now. Get it right now. And we're going to be in Philippians. And it's going to be chapter four. I'm going to read verses 10 through 14. Here we go. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. Could we pray? Heavenly Father, right now, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for the fact that it challenges us and it even convicts us. So God, I pray in this place, God, today, right now, God, that you would speak to us, God, that we would walk out of here changed because we encountered your word that is alive right now, God. These are not my words. These are yours. I claim it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can I ask you this first? Have you, have I learned to be content? Have you learned to be content with whatever you have? That maybe caused you to cringe a little bit or that maybe caused you to laugh a little bit. I don't know which one, but the truth is I don't think we have. We've not learned to be content with what we have. Can I take a moment to ask you this too? I want you to really think about it. What are the things right now in your life that you're striving for? What are the things right now in your life that you're reaching for, that you're trying to obtain? Maybe you feel a little discontent with where you are. What are you walking or running or heading towards? And then can I challenge you with this? Is it more of God? Simply put, is it more of God? Let me unpack this a little bit. Because we read in this passage of Scripture the words of Paul, and he's saying that I've learned to be content with everything or with nothing. Can I talk to those two crowds for a second? Those two groups of people. I think a lot of times in life, we get caught up in this pursuit, this pursuit. And when I say that word, you're thinking the pursuit of happiness. But God has something so much greater than happiness. But first, we have to get through these two things called nothing and everything. And so first is this, there's a lot of us that we get caught up and consumed with nothing. We are consumed with nothing. You look around and you think, I don't have this. I don't have this. Why don't I have that? Other people have this and I don't have it. And you are consumed with the things that you do not have. 
And the fear there is, is when you are consumed with the things that you do not have, you begin to believe in a God who doesn't give. (sighs) But then there's the other group. There's a group of us who we have. You have. You have a lot. And I think here's what happened. When you become consumed with the things that you have, you just want more. When you become consumed with the things that you have, the truth is there's maybe people who want what you have and they come knocking on your door because they want what you have and you're annoyed by those people because I don't want to give them what I have or I don't want to give any more. And here's the fear with people who become consumed with what they have is that you miss people. You don't see the people around you. And secondly, you begin to live and believe that you don't need God anymore. So are you striving for more of God? It's a good thing. It's a good thing that we have the word of God. Amen? Isn't it a good thing that we have the word that we can turn to in these times, whether or not that challenge you or convict you, like it does me, that we have the word of God that we can turn to. And so we're going to read this passage again here in a little bit, but let me unpack a little bit what's actually going on in this passage of scripture. Here we have the letter of Paul written to the church in Philippi. Now, Philippi was a, was a Roman um, um, empire citizen and Roman town, and basically um, it was full of retired soldiers, basically. A lot of soldiers, a lot of retired soldiers, and they had an extreme patriotism for all things of the Roman Empire. And so Paul goes in and he tries to plant a church. And he comes up against basically persecution because he's trying to proclaim the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, what Jesus has done for them. And they're like, yeah, but, but, but yeah, Jesus, all right, he's, he's okay, but all these Roman emperors and Roman rulers and kings, and like, no, this is what it's really about. And so he was persecuted and he kind of struggled, but the truth is an awesome church is planted there. And the church is under the same persecution. And so in the book of Philippians, we see Paul, he's actually in prison. And the truth is, he's been in prison for four years. And he's writing this letter of encouragement to the church to say, keep doing what you're doing, but let me encourage you. And so we're going to read this passage of scripture one more time through this lens that Paul is having writing in prison. But I'm going to use a different translation. Because I think sometimes when we read a different translation, other things pop a little bit. And so it is, we're going to read the passage translation. My heart overflows with joy when I think of how you showed your love to me by your financial support of my ministry. Literally, the church in Philippi is sending financial support to Paul while he's in prison. For even though you have so little, you still continue to help me at every opportunity. I'm not telling you this because I'm in need, for I have learned, everyone say learned, I have learned to be satisfied in any circumstance. I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained, everyone say trained, in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. Man, what I love about the way Paul writes is can you sense the anticipation? Can you sense this like, Man, Paul, what have you learned? Paul, what have you been trained in? Literally, you are in prison and you're writing this note and saying, I have learned how to overflow with joy, with abundance, whether I have nothing or whether I have everything. I am not in need right now. I have learned and I've been trained. What in the world, Paul, have you been trained in? He's been trained in joyful sacrifice. 
joyful sacrifice. Now, immediately, you're like, that don't make no sense. <laughs> like, maybe painful sacrifice is a word that makes better sense to me. But no, joyful sacrifice. Can I take you to another passage of Scripture really quick to show you this point? And that's found in Hebrews 12, too, and it says this. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Can I read that one more time? Because of the joy awaiting him, talking about Christ, he endured the cross. Can I ask you this? What about what Jesus did for you and for me makes any sense? What about Jesus' willing sacrifice on the cross seems joyful? And I think on a surface level of the gospel presentation, we can say this. We can say, well, it wasn't, it wasn't joyful for Jesus because it's joyful for us, because what he did for us. And can I say that, that okay, yeah, 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 that's true, but I think you miss the power of what actually takes place on the cross. That Jesus willingly goes to the cross, and Jesus is joyful. And so let me give you a couple other passages of Scripture. In Romans 6, 23, it says this, For the wages of sin is death. If we could stop for a moment and, and realize that you and I, because of our sin against God, we deserve death. And you might think, well, well I haven't lived that bad. No, even the playing field, because of our sin, we deserve death. So let's start there for a second. Let that hit you for a second. That's what we deserve. Let me give you another passage of scripture. Ephesians 1, 7 says this. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Let me say something really quick. And I want you guys to hear me and don't miss this. We have overwhelming, and I could not say it enough, overwhelming victory and hope in the empty tomb. But hear me, hear me. Overwhelming victory and hope in the empty tomb, but it is the power of the blood on the cross that forgives you. It is the power of the sacrifice that cleanses you and I of our sin. It's found in the blood of Jesus. Could we let that settle in for a second? You have a victory and a hope in the empty tomb, but you have power. There's power in the sacrifice of Jesus. And that is why Jesus joyfully went to the cross. There's joy found in a willing sacrifice. Now look, with that being said, can I say this, that you're not Jesus. Turn to, your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and say, you're not Jesus. And then turn to your other neighbor and say, you're definitely not Jesus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Unless your name is Jesus, we can argue later. Because um, that's a tricky one. Um, so what does this mean for us? All right. So I can say this, you are not Jesus, but what does this mean for us? Jesus hung on a cross for the sins of the entire world, but you're not Jesus. 
And so what have we been called to? Well, let me unpack it. Romans 12, 1 says this, literally the verse that precedes the one that we just read where Jesus joyfully goes to the cross. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's my second point, if you're taking notes, is simply this. Be a living sacrifice. Say living. Be a living sacrifice sacrifice. What does this mean and what does this look like? Well, let's unpack it. I think to think about how you need to live, you need to understand what you have. And again, there's a lot of you that maybe don't think that you have a lot. Can I say that you have more than you could ever possibly dream or imagine through Christ? And so what do you have? First is this, you have gifts. Every single one of us has gifts. And let me explain that briefly, and I think it's maybe a message for another time. But gifts are spiritual things. You have deep spiritual things that God has given you. He's wired you a certain way. And there's, there's literally spiritual gifts. You can look them up in the Bible. I challenge you to do that. Maybe you have the gift of administration, of, of wisdom, of mercy. You can take a spiritual gifts test. I can tell you what, talk to our discipleship team. Talk to Pastor Kurt. Figure out how you can find out about more. What is my spiritual gifts? But you have them, I promise. Secondly, that you've got skills. You've got skills. What are skills? Well, skills are simply this. You've had to learn. You've had to learn how to do something. Where the truth is, you're like, I've gone to school for this. I've been educated in this. This isn't something that came naturally to me, but I've had to learn how to do these things. You have skills. And so, recognize that. Thirdly, you have talents. I don't think talents is up there. It's okay. Just pretend that's not there. You have talents, because that's like, whoops, spoiler. You have talents. Let me talk for a second about talents. <laughs> talents are the things in your life that come naturally to you. And can I say that they're God-given, just like your spiritual gifts, where if you're like, wow, this actually comes really easy to me, this comes naturally to me, all you math people out there, I hate you, okay? Like, it's just, and you, you know people like that, or you're just like, things come natural and they come easy to you. They are God-given talents. He's designed you that way for a reason. And can I say that for those, for the gifts, for the skills and the talents, stop putting yourself down. Man, stop speaking negativity over your life. God has designed you for a reason and a purpose, and he wants you to be you. So be you. Now, we're going to spend a little bit more time on the last two, which are the one already got revealed. <laughs> you have money. Some of you are like, okay, yeah, if you, if you say so. No, you have money. Yes, some of us more than others. You have money. And I'm just, I'm just going to kind of, punch this one in the face, okay? Can I do that? Would you allow me to punch this one in the face a little bit? <laughs> People don't like it when you start to talk about this. The Bible tells us that you're supposed to give 10% of what you earn. 10% of what you earn back to him. That's really hard to do when you think of it as 10% of what you earn. Can I challenge your perspective? Everything that you have, including your gifts, your skills, your talents, and your money is a blessing from God. It's all from God. 
And so if you, could, if you could begin to change your perspective, not to say, oh, I have to give 10% of what I earned. No, you have to give 10% of what God already gave you. Give it back to God. Let me punch you a little bit more. Literally in scripture, 25% of the time that Jesus is speaking, he's talking about finances. That should be a red flag to us. Jesus is like, hey, I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to say that this is of vital importance. Why? Because money is so deeply rooted into our culture. Money is so deeply rooted into your life. I'm telling you it is. Like literally when we go all the way back to the beginning of this message, those that have and those that have not, what is it, the root of it? Money. It always is. It is so deeply rooted into your life. And I got thinking about this too. A lot of us are like, oh God, I will, I will give you this. I'll give you that. God, I'll give you my gifts. I'll give you my talents. I'll give you my skills. God, I'll even give you my life. Some of us are even saying, God, I will dedicate my children, but my money? You either trust God or you don't. Trust me, that's hard to say. And that's hard to hear. We either trust God or we don't. Can I say that giving has so much, has so much more to do about your personal relationship with God than it does about the church. Can I say, but when you give to this church, ah, you guys see it every week, I'm telling you, you give to a kingdom-minded church, and that is where it goes. But for a second, could we lay that aside? It has so much more to do about your relationship with God. Do you trust him? Lastly, we have time. We have time. Time is such a precious and valuable commodity. I'm reminded in scripture when I go looking at how Jesus lived his life where there's, there's multiple times where Jesus just kind of wants to get alone, to pray, or even to mourn. But yet there's a crowd that there's people and they want to hear him speak and they want to hear him preach and they want to see him do miraculous things. And you know what Jesus does? He turns around and he spends time with people. He gives of his time. And so can I challenge you with this? Where is your time going? Where's it going? Firstly, is your time with God increasing? Or is it decreasing? Or ever since you said yes to him, has it stayed the same? We should be people that increase, people that increase, people that increase our time with God. And if it's not, can I challenge you this? Maybe be a person who is willing to fast and pray. Fasting is simply this. God, I want to surrender these things to be surrendered to you. If you are surrendered to things but not surrendered to him, it's meaningless. God, I'm going to surrender myself from things. I'm going to spend time with you so that I may be surrendered to you. Where are you spending your time? And then I don't say this next part because I'm the youth pastor, all right? I say this next part because it's what we're supposed to do. Do all of these things. They're not up here anymore. Do all of these things. <laughs> your gifts, your talents, your skills, your money, and your time for the next generation. What are we leaving this world to? 
if for a moment, if I could speak to the men in this room, coming from someone who lost their father, this world is in desperate need of fathers and of spiritual fathers. It does not take that long to look around that we have a generation who is growing up fatherless. They don't know what it looks like to be a man of God. Women. There is something. (laughs) There's something about being mothers and spiritual mothers. There's something about the desperate prayers, the desperate love, the desperate support of a mother. That literally is an anchor point for the next generation. Be mothers. Be spiritual mothers. Be fathers. Be spiritual fathers. Lastly, we're going to read kind of here in a little bit, but the last point is this. Be a holy sacrifice. A holy sacrifice. And this one's actually pretty simple. You can't do this on your own. You and I, we, we desperately cannot do this on our own. If we would try to give of our gifts, our talents, our skills, our money, and our time to be a living sacrifice, but yet not a holy sacrifice, you cannot do it. When Jesus went to the cross and he purchased your sin, and then eventually he goes, he raises from the dead and he goes back to be with heaven and he sends the Holy Spirit. Can I say that when you say yes to Jesus, his spirit comes and interacts with your spirit, and it is the power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus back from death, that lives and dwells within you, and it's what makes you holy. But I thought about this. When thinking about a holy sacrifice, How many of us, we say yes to Jesus. We say, yes, I believe what you did on the cross, but then we never ask the Holy Spirit for anything. Can I say that that completely dismantles to a point what Jesus did on the cross? That if we we claim in what Jesus did and we have the Holy Spirit within us, but yet then we never ask through prayer and time with God what we are supposed to do with our gifts, our talents, our skills, our money, and our time. We need to be a holy sacrifice. You need to get to know the spirit within you by spending time with God and trusting him and giving. And then here's what will happen. The end of this message is where we find our joy. And it's found here. Paul writes this last encouragement at the end of this letter. that says this. In this same God who takes care of me. See what's happening here? In this same God that I have learned, I have learned no matter what, will take care of me. Because I've given. Because I've given all that I have. Because I've trusted all that I have. Because I've not boxed out some part of my life and said, God, you can't have this, but you can have all of this. No, because I've given everything. This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God. 
our Father forever and ever. Amen. Last one is this. If you're willing to go through the process of a joyful sacrifice, meaning if I'm willing to subject myself to sacrifice, and sacrifice is living and holy, that lastly, you will be a joyful testament. I'm telling you, God will bring breakthrough in your life, and you'll stop to be concerned with what you have and what you don't have, and you'll be saying, I've found God, and I've found the Holy Spirit, and this is all that I need, and can I say that that's all that you need? What was Jesus's living and holy sacrifice? When we look at Christ, what was his living and his holy sacrifice? It was for the freedom of others and for the eternity of others. What is your living and holy sacrifice? It's the same thing. Except Jesus already gave you the freedom that you're supposed to walk in. And he already gave others the freedom they're supposed to walk in. You just need to be a testament. And the challenge is so many of us, I believe, are not willing to sacrifice I feel like the church is not willing to sacrifice. Therefore, the church is lacking joyful people. We, and I hope you know I'm preaching to myself. I hope you know that. We should be people of joy. People that despite of the brokenness in our world, Say, oh, <laughs> oh, just let me tell you about what Jesus did for you. <laughs> With a smile on our face. Say, I know what you need. Not condemning people, but saying, oh, can I show you with my life? Can I tell you what he's done for me? Can I, can I just share with you? Can I show you that in my lack, he showed up and provided that in my everything, he showed me that I can give to others. And oh my goodness, I accessed a part of my life that I've never even known about. And now I love giving. I enjoy giving. That my life is a joyful sacrifice. Can I say this to end? God is faithful. He's faithful. He just wants your all. He wants your everything so that he can prove he's faithful. So my last question is simply this. Are we going to be people who are willing to give our all? God, everything I have, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, I understand that some of us you're walking through hardship. You're walking through maybe one of the most challenging things you've ever walked through in your life. Can I say, I know so many people around me right now, there's cancer. There's, oh, I hate cancer. But the truth is, I think God, in your circumstance, in your challenge, in your pain, he's just saying, trust me, trust me. I'm faithful. Let me do my work. 
Paul is writing from prison. He's writing from prison. He's been in there for four years. He's like, oh, I'm so thankful. <laughs> oh, man. I, oh, man. It's been, it's been so good. You've been so faithful to me, God. The church has been so faithful to me. I, I don't need anything right now, actually. I'm good. Let me encourage you in my prison cell. May we be people of joyful sacrifice. Can I pray? Jesus. <laughs> God, I thank you so much. I thank you that you love us so much. God, like a good father, that you're willing, you're willing to challenge us. You're willing, dear Jesus God, to say, I want you to give me your all. God, and that looks like sacrifice. God, that looks like cutting off the things in our life that are meaningless, cutting off, cutting off the roots in our lives, the things that we're rooted to that we don't even know we're rooted to. God, the things that waste our time, the things that waste our money, the things that steal our gifts and our talents and our skills. God, may we be people who are willing to cut them off, be surrendered to you, wholly surrendered, a living and holy sacrifice before you. God, challenge us in this moment. But God, I pray right now. God, I pray right now the atmosphere shifts. God, that something is different because of your spirit, God, that as you're calling us and challenging us, God, we don't have to fear. God, I claim right now in Jesus' name against fear, against doubt, against the questions as people right now are thinking, how can I sacrifice? How can I give? What are the areas of my life? God, fear tends to come up, and that's the enemy, and that's what the enemy wants. So God, right now I say that there is no fear. There should be no fear in our sacrifice when we're heading towards you, dear Jesus. God, so right now would your spirit of joy fall in this place, God. I claim it in Jesus' name. We give you the glory. We give you the power. We give you the honor, and you deserve all of it. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.